0: all right good morning everybody this morning we're being uh, deuteronomy 29 and 30 if you want to turn there in your bibles deuteronomy 29 and 30 because that's our next chapters now i believe next week we were going to do a baptism but nobody contacted me about being baptized so not doing it anymore just because you know we could all stand out there and hope but which is fine but uh Um, So we'll have one in August, that's our next uh, date, so be thinking about that or praying about that if you know somebody, pass it on to them, hey, I've always wanted to get baptized, let them know, hey, we're doing one in August, so um, that's that. Now, we have some events coming up on the end of this month, July, I just read it and I've forgotten it, July, what is our security thing, 28th, July 28th, we're doing our uh, church security thing for all the churches in the area, you're welcome to come to that, Um, there's a registration online for that. Um, You can go ahead and get signed up for that if you're interested in coming to that. It's an all-day event on a Saturday. Um, Then also, uh, next week, uh, Evangeline uh, Franzon from Samaritan's Purse is going to be coming and sharing with us uh, a little bit about Operation Christmas Child for both the first and the second service. So she'll be here for both of those. Um, And so we'll have that. Now, there's a leadership conference coming up uh, in September. I know it's a ways away, but I want to get that out there so you can plan on coming if you want to. It's for anybody. We call it a leadership conference, but anybody's interested in ministry, um, down in St. Joe, down at Gracie Evangelical, it's our regional one. Um, I encourage you to come out for that. Um, we'll, our church will be teaching a few of the sessions, uh, some of the workshops. So we're kind of, all the chapels, all the Calvary chapels are kind of involved and doing their part. So anyway, that's coming up, and that is September 7th through the 8th. Now, that's an online registration also on your own. We don't do a sign-up sheet, collect your checks, and sign everybody up. We just let you go online and do it yourself. Um, and uh, I guess we can all sit together if you wanted to, but uh, I want to make sure that that was out there for you. Um, and there's information out on the table for that too, not just on that slide. And I think that's it. Um, anybody know how to drive a tractor, a big one like Rod's out there? He's not here, so he won't know that you drove his tractor. But I don't know how to ride it, and I know if I rode it, drove it, I'd go right through the trees, and I don't think he'd be appreciate he'd appreciate that. Okay, I need someone who knows how to drive a tractor is very confident. They know, okay. And whoever, and then that little pile of dirt out there, he's got forks for a bale, just tick it a little bit, because I'm trying to get dirt out of that thing, and it's turned into rock, and I can't break through it, and so if somebody wants to just poke it and tab it and make it a little easier for me, I'll I'll give you a hug, and uh, so anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there for you. All right, now let's get to the text. Deuteronomy, Moses is done. He's done writing it down, uh, everything that God had showed him to share uh, with the nation of Israel, the next generation as they go into the promised land. Um, And now he's going to convey it through, uh, wrap it all up in a bow, basically get some final instructions from God and actually write a song about it at the end of the book. So technically we're done writing the law, but he has some other thing he, he wants to share with us. About being obedient to it, and what's that, what what the reason is for this, and that there's life and and death given to you in this. You can either choose, you know. And we'll we'll hit that today. Um, and so as we go through this, consider that this is a um, as I did my cross references for this study, I notice a, a lot of it is in the New Testament pointing to the Old Testament. This is the book that Jesus quoted from the most in Deuteronomy. It's the one that he went to when he wanted to teach something or share something or or quoted scripture. He used Deuteronomy more than any other book. Um, And so um, it it isn't a waste of time to study this. It's very important that we know this stuff. Jesus completed and fulfilled all that the law and the prophets said. And if I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I want to know what he fulfilled. And that's why we study these things and know the completeness. I mean, it gives us the details uh, of what Christ has done. And so he's fulfilled this. For us. And as we are in Christ, we have fulfilled the law of God. Um, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Um, but uh, along with that, and I think we hit on this last week a little bit, there, there are consequences for our actions still, even though we're in Christ, even though we're saved and we've trusted in him for our salvation and his righteousness is imputed to us, we still make bad choices down here, bad decisions to sin, and we still reap the benefits of those sins. Uh, they still come to pass. He doesn't he doesn't inoculate us from the, from the consequences of our choices. We have those. And so as you go through this, keep in mind we still are blessed when we obey. Um, that's, you know, first of all, we should obey because we love God, because he loved us first and what he's done for us. That should be a given. He's just such a great father in heaven that why wouldn't we want to obey him? But secondly, it, secondly it, it's for us. Um, it's a blessing to, to live in that place of obedience to God. Um, it's, it's, it's fulfilled. You have a fulfilled life, basically. Um, some people look at it another way. They think they're missing out on life. Um, if I don't, if I, you know, oh, this is just a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. I don't, you know, I don't get to have any fun. No, uh, this is where life is. It's in obedience to God. Um, so anyway, verse 1. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant which he made with them in Horab. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before uh, your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. Yet the Lord has not given you heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. Interesting thing to end with. You've been through this. You've watched this and yet you haven't seen it and you haven't heard it. You don't understand it. You're not comprehending it. And he says it's because you haven't been, that has been given to you by God. Now some take this and say, ah, see, I can't see no matter what unless God gives it to me. Well, you can kind of fall back on that except for these other scriptures like in James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure uh, that war in your members, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, we can ask for these things. Like, give God, give me eyes to see. Lord, give me ears to hear. We're supposed to ask for these things. Um, it, it isn't simple. Um, I mean, it is, but it, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. He wants us to desire it so much so that we actually pray for it. Prayer is so important. Um, I, I, I Sometimes we could have our quiet times and open it up and read a, a chapter or a page or, or a paragraph or however, however much you read and say, I didn't get anything out of that. But we spent no time in preparing our hearts. We spent no time in asking the teacher to explain it to us. Um, prayer is vital to understanding our walk with him and what is pleasing to him and what isn't. And and so he says, you've been with me all this time, and you still can't see, and you still can't hear, and you can't perceive it in your hearts. It's just something that's out there. Some people go their whole Christian walk, and this is where my passion is. Some people go their whole Christian walk, and they just go to church, and they've just gone to church their whole lives, and they've gone, and they sit in this place, and maybe they've moved to a different church now and then throughout their lives, but they just find a new chair, and they find a new seat, and they go through it. And they get off, and they go, and that's just what they do on Sunday mornings. And there's no time spent in desiring God. What am I hearing? Why am I hearing it? What is it for? How can I change? The song at the end was perfect. Um, We desperately need the Holy Spirit to take this text, this black and white text that we're reading, and change it into our perceiving it in our hearts. He's the teacher. And then you perceive it and you are moved by it. You're changed by it. Oh my goodness, this is so important. And you now have a living relationship with the God who made you. He's speaking to you. You're not going through a ritual on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half if it goes too long. you know. Uh, And then you go out to eat and then you do this. And this is what we do. It's routine, it's rote, it's religion. Um, It needs to change. And so many people, and that's my heart... They need to perceive, they need their eyes open, they need their ears open so that when they hear this text the next time, that they're changed by it and not just um, a check mark on their um, walk with the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 10-14, through Solomon prayed. God says, I want you to ask for anything. And Solomon prayed. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. What he had asked for was he wanted wisdom. I need wisdom on how to rule these people. I'm like a child, Solomon says. And it's a big thing for a man to say, I feel like a child when it comes to this stuff. And that's a pride thing that needs to get out of our hearts. I mean, we need to let go of that pride and come to God and say, you know what? I've been in church for 50 years and I feel like a child when it comes to knowing your word. I feel inadequate. Adequate. I don't know what I'm supposed to know. I don't leave my family like I'm supposed to lead them. I know that. And, to, and that isn't something you need to confess to me or anybody or any other person. But when it comes to God and your prayer life, that's a great thing to start off with. I feel like a child and I don't want to be a child anymore when it comes to this stuff. And that's what he asked him. And here's God's response to that. Because you have asked this thing for wisdom, And have not asked for long life for yourself, which is usually what we ask for. God, I don't want to be sick anymore. God, take away this illness. Or, God, I want to have no more money problems. We ask for the stuff that pertains to us. But because you didn't ask for that, because you didn't ask for long life, you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for the life of your enemies, you didn't want vengeance, but you have asked for yourself understanding and to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked. I have given you the riches, the honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you or among you, the, uh, the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Solomon wasn't concerned with having length of life, uh, even quality of life in a worldly standpoint, he just wanted to know God better. And, and however long he lived, great. But he would live those days knowing God better. Whether that was five more days, whether that was five more years, he knew God better. And that was more important to him than living 20 more years or 50 more years not knowing God better. That was the most important thing to him and that was so pleasing to God. Matthew eleven fifteen 15 tells us, really short, he who has, has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said that all the time, after everything, after every one of his uh, messages, it was, if you have ears to hear, I hope you heard. And that's our responsibility. He gave out the message. He didn't make them all hear. He did, Jesus, God, come in the flesh, gave out this message to 5,000, 3,000, 2,000, 1,000, every different size of crowd. He didn't make them all hear. He says, there it is. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's up to you to have the ears to hear. And that comes through prayer. And so we go along here in the next section of Scripture here. I know we stopped there in the middle. but and, have, and Here's what he describes to him. You have not seen yet. You don't have it in your heart. You haven't heard to this very day. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, and we conquered them. We took their land and gave it to as an inheritance to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. He's talking about the east side of the Jordan. Remember, they those. Two and a half tribes decided, we don't want to go into the promised land. We want to stay over here. And so God said, fine, you can stay here, but you need to go over and still do battle. And then when you're done, you can come back to this land that you want. Not the one God wanted to give them, but it's what they wanted. He said, fine. And so he says, we did that. But he brings up some interesting things that were so normal to them that they didn't even see it. You, You do realize you've been wearing the same shirt for 40 years. And you're wearing the same sandals for 40 years. And some were thinking, oh, yeah, I got a good deal on it, and it was just a well-made shirt. You know? And sometimes we got to open our eyes, and God, I don't know if we can, we pray, God, open my eyes to see all that you've done for me. Because I don't think I'm seeing it. Because it's become so routine. Um, you know, personally, I have, a, I have a great family. I really enjoy my family. Um, I like them. And, and it, it isn't until... Well, there's just times, I should say, uh, where I realize I've been taking it for granted, the teenagers that I have. I mean, don't have rebellion. None of them have ever mouthed off or said a n- bad word to us, ever. It's never happened. Um, they just, they walk with the Lord um, they know God's Word. Any one of them can teach a Sunday school class, um, can prepare for one by themselves, um, and get in there and teach it. Um, I, I, you know, and, and you pause for a minute, and I'm like, well, you know, isn't that just great? We, Jenny and I must have done something, right? No. <laughs> no, it's it's 40-year it's shirt. It's a 40-year pair of sandals there. It's a miracle in front of our eyes. It's something God has done in the hearts of these kids, and, and with my wife, my goodness. Um, amazing. Amazing. Um, always supports, um, never a harsh word towards me, um, just an amazing woman of God. Um, and and you've got to pause for a minute and let God show that to you every now and then, because I expect that, it, no offense, but I expect Monday morning, I don't, I don't expect horns to grow out of Jenny's head, or a tail, or whatever, I, I just kind of know what she's going to be like, because she's been like that for 25 years now with me, faithfully. Without a doubt. And um, I take it for granted. And I, I'm glad I can, to be honest with you, but I don't want to ever take it for granted, if you know what I mean. Um, I wake up and I look at her and I think, well, there she is again, praying. There she is with her Bible open on her lap in that chair that I can't imagine sitting in because it's so straight, you know. But there she is every morning uh, with her tea. I wake up and there's two teas waiting there, just kind of steeping. And I, I go in and look at her, and there she is, and, and it, it, well, it's normal. Sometimes we've got to get our eyes opened by the Lord, and that's what God's trying to do to them. Don't you realize what, God, what I've done for you? You haven't seen it. You haven't, and so they need to pray, they need to stop and ask him, yeah, uh, show me all the things that you've done for me. Anyway, uh, verse 10, all of you stand today before the Lord your God your leaders, and your tribes, and your elders, and your, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, the kids too, and your wives, also the stranger, so these are the Ethiopians and the Egyptians and all that came out with them, who cuts your wood uh, to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself, and that he may be God to you, uh, just as he has spoken to you, and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want you to stand up and hear this. We're going to make a covenant with this God. Uh, before we go in, I want you to, him to be your God. And, and, and this isn't something that they just woke up and said, oh, I didn't realize we needed to do that. No offense, but they've been walking with him for 40 years with their parents, granted. Um, he says, I want you guys to, it's almost like a renewal kind of thing. I, I, I want you to commit your life to this again. And as a believer in Jesus, um, as a follower of Christ, there, there are those moments where you do need to have those times with God. I'm not getting born again, again. Don't get me wrong. That happens once. You're saved, you know, um, and I've been walking with him. But there, it is nice to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember better. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to have those times in, uh, of, of uh, I remember who you are to me. And just a renewal, a, a refresher course, maybe. Um, and that's what God's doing here. I want you to stand up and I want you to make this covenant with me. Anyway, um, he says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you're gonna keep my commandments. Um, his commandments at the time were, were two simple ones. Um, he says this in Matthew twenty two forty. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the first is the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus didn't do away with the law and prophets. He just really condensed it for us. He says, I want you to do these two things. Love God, love people. That's what I want you to do. Um, and if you love me, you'll do that. You'll do those things. Um, in 1 John three twenty four, it says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. It's by keeping those commandments that you know you're abiding in him, that you're still walking with him. That wasn't a, a long time ago I was seven years old and put Christ in my back pocket for the rest of my life. No, you, you spent your life maybe not doing well. It isn't about whether you succeed or fail at keeping the commandments. It's about you're doing it. You're, you're, you're walking with him. You realize when you're not, and you realize when you are. And you're, you, you try. I want to, I, I do love you, and I do love people. Sometimes I don't love people as much as I did yesterday. Like today, I don't feel so great about people maybe, but I'm going to try better tomorrow. And I realize that that's wrong of me and you're abiding in him. Um, and that's all he's asking them to do. I want you to stand up and I want you to make that confession with your mouth. It's more for you than it is for God. He knows your heart. But I want you to hear yourself say it out loud that we're going to walk with you. And we're not going to do the things we're not supposed to do. and We are going to do the things we are supposed to do. And we're not going to fall into following after those idols that we just left behind in Egypt. We are going to worship you and you alone. And he wants them to make that commitment. It's a choice. It's a decision we have to make. It's something that we can either do or we don't have to do. And it's a daily decision. He's never asked us to make that commitment when we're seven and then, and then coast. I've got to wake up every day as to whether I'm going to follow God or not. Whether I'm going to love people and love him more than I love myself. Um, It's every single day I wake up and make that commitment to him. Um, And it's day by day. And that's why when we fail one day, we've got the next morning. You know, and we can renew that commitment to God. I'm going to walk with you today. I'm going to walk with you today. Today you made that choice. You know, you could have been anywhere this morning. There's a lot of places people are, you know, that isn't here, obviously. The room would be full. Fuller. You made a choice today. I'm going to, I'm going to I'm going to go hear God's word this morning. You know, um, you made the right choice, not, not just because you came here, but all the people that decided to go worship God this morning made a really good decision to walk with God today, um, and we need to do that. So, he says, I make this covenant with you, uh, with the, and this oath, and not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us uh, today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today, for you know that we... Uh, Dwelt in the land of Egypt, and that we came through the nations which you passed by, and you saw their abominations and their idols, which were among them wood, stone, silver, and gold. So we're going to focus on that. Remember all those things you left and walked through, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood, and so it may not happen. That he hears the words of the curse, and he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though a drunkard could be included with the sober. Uh, That's the hearing with understanding. I, I, I can't hear God say something from his word and say, I know, that's for most people. It's not for me. I'm going to be fine. I follow the dictates of my own heart. I've I've kind of found my own path walking with God. I've I've kind of grabbed a little bit of here and a little bit of there from all these other religions. And I've made this one beautiful religion that I, well, I hope you hear yourself. You've made it. It isn't God. You've made it to be God. Um, Before I got married um, to Jenny, I had this idea of what my wife would be like. And I had a lot of ideas, and I grabbed those ideas from this magazine or that video or that movie or that person I met one time, and I took all those attributes, and I made this wife for myself. She wasn't real. (laughs) It was an imagination thing, okay? Obviously. But people think they can do that with God. I'm going to make this, I'm going to take this, and this, and this, and this, and all of a sudden, you've decided on what this God looks like when he's explained himself thoroughly, and completely in his word. And so when they hear something from this word that maybe convicts their heart, they say, well, I don't I reject that kind of part of the God, and I'm gonna take the part of the, the God that I like over here, which makes me feel better about doing that one thing that I was convicted over here about, but not over here. And they begin to grab all these things, and pretty soon, you, you are the God. You are worshiping yourself. You've made him just like you. He does everything you do. He likes everything you like. He hates everything you hate. He's just like me. Because he is you. And so we've got to be careful, and that's what he's warning them. I want you to hear this, he says. I want you to make this covenant. I don't want bitterness, and I don't want you going around thinking that you're going to have peace, even though I've said if you break these commandments, you won't have peace. Because you won't. There are, there are consequences for these things. The drunkard can't be included with the sober. That's a hard thing for people to hear sometimes, but it's true. Uh, You can't expect to have the same kind of life as the drunkard did. Or the drunkard can't expect to have the same kind of life as the sober person who has their faculties all the time, who's wise, who's thinking, who's walking with the Lord, who's paying attention to it. It's all right if I do it once in a while, you know. Well, that's fine, but you're gonna, just like Proverbs says, you're gonna wake up and wonder who beat you up. You're going to wonder, how did I get here? Or why did I do that? And, and you, can't, you can't say, I didn't expect the consequences. God says, I laid it very clearly to you. If you do this, there are consequences for these things. And you're going to have these regrets. And he doesn't just neutralize them because you've come to Christ. There are consequences for these. The Lord would not spare him, this drunkard, or the person who thinks he's not going to have any troubles when he disobeys God. He will not spare him. For then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man, and every curse that is written in this book would settle on him. And the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book the law. So that the coming generation of your children who rise up after you, and foreigners, or a foreigner who, come, who comes from a far land, would say when they see the plagues of the land and the sicknesses, which the Lord has laid on it. And here's what they say. These, these people that come upon you who've been disobedient to God, they look at you and they say this. The whole land is brimstone, salt and burning. It is not sown. In other words, there's no crops anywhere. There's no fruit in it. Uh, nor does it bear. Nor does any grass grow there. Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Admah and Zebul, Zebulun, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath all nations would say and here's what they say about you again or the nation of Israel at this point why has the lord done so to this land what does the heat of this great anger mean then people would say because they have forsaken the covenant of the lord god of their fathers which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of egypt for they went and served other gods and worshiped them gods that they did not know and that they had not given to them or that he had not given to them uh, then the anger of the lord was aroused against this land to bring on it every curse that is written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger, in wrath, and in great indignation, and cast them into another land as it is this day. As, as, as you read that, it sounds like a warning, but it's actually a narrative. It's actually what happens to the nation of Israel. He, God is omniscient. He knows it's going to happen, and so he writes it down. Here's what it's going to sound like. and I guarantee you these are direct quotes from people who saw what happened to the nation of Israel when they, when they went into captivity in Babylon. This is what's going to happen to you. Um, as we walk with the Lord, as we walk with Jesus, and we're born-again believers, we understand that he covers all of our sin. We know that. But the consequences remain for our decisions. I've beaten that horse several times today. I know that. And, and yet we're still reading it this morning because the danger is still there for our hearts to hear it this morning and still think that we can be disobedient and not have it touch us. And that's a concern. To watch people who used to walk with God so closely begin to slowly slip away and allow more and more sin into their lives until you look at them and you say, they're just a burned out forest. They're just, they're salted. And I don't mean in a good way. I mean like we put a block of salt out there for the deer. I think it was like ten years ago. You still can't grow anything out there. It's just this big. They just paw at it, and just keep digging at it because it's still in the soil. But it's dead forever, as far as I'm concerned. Everywhere we put a salt block, that's just never, never going to grow there. That's a that's a, so it's such a glaring spot out there. It's so obvious to see amongst all the green grass and the green. Like, what's that? What's that? Can we do anything? Can we put some seed on that bear patch out there. You can put seed on it all you want. But it's salted. It's done. They used to do that when they would conquer land. They would salt the earth so that it couldn't grow anymore. It's, like, it's just like a, you know, I don't know, kicking somebody while they're down kind of thing. Some people's lives look like that. You were so close to God. You were walking with God. He was changing your life. You were so soft and tender-hearted. What happened? I know what happened. They walked away from him. They were disobedient to him. And They don't have that fellowship with him. And either way, it's a lesson. I've said that a lot. You can either be a good proverb or a bad proverb, but you will be a proverb. My walk is a proverb with God. That's what it looks like for a man of God who walks with the Lord. That's what it looks like. Wow, what a great example. Or that's what it looks like when a man doesn't walk with the Lord. What a great example of what not to do. Either way, I'm going to be a proverb. And that's what he, that's what he says to the nation of Israel. You're either going to be a shining light on a hill for the whole world to come and draw unto me, or you're going to be an example of what it looks like when you don't walk with me, and they're still going to be drawn unto me. Verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. I love that verse. I get upset when I don't know everything. I hate not knowing things. I like to know everything. This real estate gig that I've got going on, I tell you what, I don't like it but I like it because I don't know what I'm doing all the time. I, 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 these first six transactions, I've got six transactions. One is closed. I've got four coming up in the next month that are going to close. And they are the most difficult, hair pulling. It's like, I, and I showed it to my broker and he's like, wow, you're getting, you're getting a lesson. You're learning, aren't you? I mean, because it's just everything that could go wrong is going wrong with everything. And every one of these closing dates has moved the month, moved the week, moved the month, moved. So we can't get them done, even though we signed the contract months ago. What I'm saying is I am learning the hard way how to do this right. And it's frustrating for me, but I, I want to know. The reason I bring that up is I'm not going to quit doing it because I don't know everything. As a Christian, when you first get saved, you know what you need to know, and you're saved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's easy to memorize, and I know that one. But then I keep reading, and you get into a book a little, now this is maybe a year or maybe six months into your walk with the Lord, and you read Leviticus. And you're like, ah, I don't walk away from it. I just cling to what I do know. And I let God explain these things as I go through these things. But I don't forsake what I know for what I don't know. I don't throw it out. I don't get rid of John 3. Well, I just can't believe Jesus died on the cross for everybody's sins because I don't understand Leviticus. No, what the writer is saying, there are secret things that belong to the Lord our God. And he will reveal those to you and to me as we grow in him, when we can handle it, when we can absorb it. Great. But don't be frustrated that you don't know it to the point where you throw out everything you do know about God. Cling to what you know about the Lord and let him add to that incrementally as you grow with him, as you read, as you discover. But don't don't throw it all away. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. That's fine. Let him have them. But those things which are revealed, the things that he has taught us, he has showed us, they belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we try to rush that process. I like to know things when I start a new job, I'm sure everybody is, you want to know everything about it all the time right now. Give me a book. Give me a manual. Where's your, where's, your, where's your binder, your three-ring binder that shows you operational procedures for this position? And you know that anybody that's worked in any kind of situation, you have to make those for the next guy to pass it off to. But they don't cover everything. And you look through it. Well, This is here, and it says we're supposed to do that. But culturally in this business, we don't do that anymore. Even though that's what's written down what we're supposed to do, the office doesn't really do it that way anymore. So you've got to figure out this crazy thing that someone's got in their head, but haven't put down on paper. Okay, I know. I know how frustrating that is. And so you got to sit back sometimes and you have your three ring binder, but then you got to kind of walk in everybody's footsteps for a while and just kind of watch how things work and you figure it out. And you see how the system works. You see where the files are. You see why they keep it in that right drawer instead of where it's supposed to be over here in this file cabinet. You start understanding the process of it. And you begin to pick pick this up. Walking with Jesus is a, is a lifelong deal. And you know what you know today. Good for you. Let him add to that. Let him add to that what he needs to add to that. And then grow. And you're going to grow at the right pace. You're going to grow at the right, at the right uh, well, increments, anyway. Uh, speed and, and increments. All right, chapter 30. Now, I need to run. I've got f- seven minutes. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, and they will, The blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the furthest point under the heaven, from the Lord your God, uh, from there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. I covered a lot there. It's interesting how he covers a lot there. Okay, we haven't even gone in and conquered yet, which is going to happen. And you haven't even lived there very long, which you're going to. And everybody's going to have their own vine and their own fig tree. And then you're going to be disobedient to me, which you haven't done because I'm trying to get you to be obedient to me today. But you will be obedient then you're going to be disobedient. And then that country's going to come in and take you away to someplace else, which hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. And he goes through this whole process. But I'm going to bring you back. And you're going to be brought from all the places. You're not going to be lost. You're going to be scattered, but you're not lost. I'm going to bring you back to this place. And we see that in Matthew 24. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24. We're going to see that the second coming of Christ. Jesus is going to bring back all of Israel back to Israel. All the Jews from all over the world are going to come back to that nation. And we're seeing that begin to happen right now. It happened um, well, in, the, in the 60s when they, when they made it a nation. in uh, no, 43. Wasn't it 43 or 46? 46. 46 it started and they began to come back and populate and, and develop. And it's an amazing country now. And we're seeing that come to pass, the beginnings of it anyway. But when he comes back the second time, he is really going to draw him back. Matthew 24, 31, you can read that. And that's the prophecy that Jesus is quoting from. Um, He's quoting out of Deuteronomy when he makes that distinction in Matthew. Um, This is going to happen. I'm going to draw you back. We confuse God's omniscience, which is what this is here, him knowing everything, with him making it happen, causing it. I think that's one of the biggest... Difficulties we have. How can God know it and not be the cause of it? He says He's not. He says it's our choice. He just knows our choices. It, it's always been a free will thing, but He just knows what our free will is going to choose because He's omniscient. That's a struggle for us because we're not. Um, but He lays it out for them. Here's everything that's going to take place. And that's comforting. It's going to look dark at times. But I'm going to bring you back. You're going to come back to me. Um, he did the same thing with Peter. Do you remember that? He says, Peter, Satan's going to sift you like wheat. And when you return to me, where am I going? Don't worry about where you're going. I mean, we don't really want to talk about that. It's when you come back that matters. And then we have that scene on the seashore when Jesus is making the fish and they're out there fishing and um, he's making breakfast for them. And Peter swims in, realizing who it is, and he's sheepishly by the fire there. Um, hasn't said a word to him since he since he swam to shore uh, and they're eating there. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says it to him three different times. Giving him that opportunity again of him denying him three times at the fire, at the crucifixion. He brings him back. He says, I'm going to bring you back and I want you to strengthen your brethren when you do. That's an encouragement for me. I don't know what the future has for me. I'm 48 years old, going to be 49 this year. Um, I met a guy sitting next to him at the bank. He says, "Uh, I'm 100 years old. I looked. I said, I'm only halfway. I've got a lot of things under my belt for being halfway. And I'm looking ahead thinking, all the things I've learned halfway. uh, God forbid. (laughs) I mean, I want to live as long as God wants me to. But, you know, 75 would be fine with me. Um, Maybe 80. But um, I just want to go home to be with him. So, okay, Halfway. What is in store? What's ahead? What haven't I learned yet? And I know I haven't. I know it's there. And so I take these things to heart. I don't think I'm ever going to walk away from God. I don't plan on it, obviously. Every day I wake up and I want to serve him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want to do that. But I'm also, he started a good work in me. And I have to trust that even if I do have bad days, bad months, maybe a bad year, a bad season in my life, I'll come back to him. Um, can I help you parents out there with wayward kids this morning? Kids that aren't walking with the Lord, maybe, right now? Um, we get this scripture, and it's a true scripture. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's, that we use that. That's important. And yet we have God who wrote that scripture write this scripture also. And please understand that. And if there was ever a good father and a good teacher, it was him. And did he not train up his children in the way that they should go. And did they? Did they ever depart? They did, but he brought them back. And so be encouraged in that. When you think, I don't know, I must've done something wrong as a parent. Maybe you did go with that conviction. If God's showing you that you may need to change some things for sure. I'm not trying to alleviate you of your responsibility, but I do want you to know this. You did the best you could, I hope. And if not, start now. Um, but God did the best anybody ever could, and people still walked away from Him. Okay, so that scripture um, it doesn't nullify trade up a child in the way they should go when they're old; they will not depart from it. it it's 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 meant to encourage us to, to do our part like God did for us um, to train them up. Um, because as far as God's concerned, I know you're going to rebel, but I know you're going to come back to me, and that's a that's an encouragement, hopefully, for us um, for kids that aren't walking with him right now. Anyway, verse 7. Also the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you and persecuted you, and you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, as he rejoiced over your fathers, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the the law, this book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, at any time you can turn back to him. And that's what he's going to get into now. I I know you're going to go bad, but I know you can get good. You can come back to me and start obeying me again. Every single morning I wake up is a new day for me to start walking with God, like I did before or for the first time, however it is in your life. And he explains that to us. For this is the commandment which I command you today, it's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. This isn't something you've got to pray about. This isn't something you need to go to the desert over, you know, and fast. This is a very easy thing I've told you. It's not mysterious. It's not far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, that you may do it. You already know. (laughs) You do a lot of counseling as a pastor. And most people, I don't even need to open my mouth. They sit down, they say, here's the situation, and I know, and they begin to tell you. I don't know if I did this, and I did that, I know I'm supposed to be doing that, and that, and I'm like... I should really charge more for this. Because this is, I don't charge anything. I'm kidding, but uh, I could be a sounding board if you want to, but we know, oh, my marriage, my marriage. My marriage is on the rocks. I know if I wasn't such a prideful person, I know that if I wasn't so pig-headed or stubborn, I know that if I, I'm looking at him going, are you looking for, something other than what you're telling me because you just said everything I'm gonna have to say to you but you said it so now I don't look bad you know you said it to yourself I don't have to tell you're big-headed and stubborn and you know if I it's there we all know what we're supposed to do to have a good marriage I think when we ask other people's maybe we want a second opinion is there any other way I could do it without pride I, I like my pride is there any way I can get her to do what I want her to do all the time and I don't have to give in on these things ever, you know, kind of thing? No, <laughs> there isn't. You've got to love your wife like Christ loves the church. That means she gets to crucify you every day if she wants to. And you carry the nails in the cross and give her the hammer. That's what you do as a man. Well, I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, there is no appendix. I mean, There is no, there's no extra books. Well, how do I get my husband to do what I want him to do? You don't. Wife, leave him alone. Uh, serve him. Win him without a word. Um, serve him like you'd serve Christ. But he ain't Christ. That attitude, it comes across. And he hears you in that tone. And he doesn't like you when you say those things. And it's hard for him to want to give you the hammer to crucify him when you sound like that. So both of you stop and start loving. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. So really what you're asking me is, can I make you obey God? And the answer is no. Nobody can make you obey God. Nobody can make you hear his word and do it. It's a decision we all make. The word is in your mouth. It's right there. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. Uh, And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and are drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, I announce to you today that you are surely, you will surely perish, You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that you both and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. Did you notice that? He is your life. He is your length of days. Sometimes we say, if I obey God, maybe he'll take care of my wife and get her to love me more. If I obey God, maybe he'll give me a better job. If I obey God, maybe, and we begin to add thinking that if we obey God, maybe we can get a better life and we're not thinking of it right. He doesn't need to change jobs. He doesn't need to change your wife. He doesn't need to change your husband. He doesn't need to do those things. By loving God, you have life. He is it. To be content with that, like we began with here, to pray, God, I just want to know you better in all of this. Maybe those circumstances will change. Maybe they won't. But my heart is to know you better and to be closer to you, to be a better son or to be a better daughter to you. It's our mission field. It's our ministry to minister to our wives and to our husbands and to our kids. It's what we're called to do. You don't need to go to Africa necessarily to minister to lost people. You may be living with one. That's your mission. I don't have to find a congregation. I mean, I have one, but I have my kids. I don't want to ever lose my kids. They're my congregation. They're the first sheep, lambs that God ever gave me. He is our life. He is our length of days. We have a choice to make. And he doesn't give us a choice if we don't have the ability to make that choice. I know that sounds silly to even have to say that out loud, but God says, choose life. And he's not snickering in the background saying, but I didn't let you choose. You really don't have any say in the matter. I gave you a choice, but you're always going to choose B. That's some theology out there that believes that. No, God lays before us to choose life or to choose death. And it's a decision we have to make every day. Am I going to choose life or not? Am I going to choose death or not? To be obedient to God is life. To be obedient to God is length of days. Um, He is the answer to our prayers, all of them. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time we've had. Lord, as we uh, have gone over these two chapters, and Moses is almost begging, and you're almost begging and pleading with people, please, please, I want you to love me. I want you to have this. I'm commanding you to do it because it's the best for you. Lord, we want to hear that today. And so, Lord, we want to pray together as a congregation. Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to perceive you? Um, We want to ask for these things. We don't care about our bills this morning. Um, We may have come in that way, but we're not leaving that way. Uh, We want you, by your Holy Spirit, as we sang this song, to change what we seek. I don't seek a better life on earth. I seek a better relationship with you. No matter what this earth gives me, whatever you allow to happen down here makes no difference. I want a better life with you. And so, God, give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to perceive you, Lord. That's our desire. And so, bless these folks with that that your word this morning, like seed, was planted in their hearts, that it wouldn't be uprooted, that it wouldn't be scorched, but that it would have deep roots. And it would bear fruit later on, Lord. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, have a good rest of the week, you guys. Um, if you need prayer before you go, be glad to. Oh! Oh, we are going to have communion. I'm sorry. I forgot it was back there. Yeah, let's do it. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be what it is. I'm sorry. When Jesus was betrayed at the meal, or before he was betrayed, the night before, thank you, they were having a meal together, he and the disciples. And it was their last meal together. That's why it's called the Last Supper. And they had the Passover meal in front of them. They had the unleavened bread, they had the, the cup, and they had the lamb, and the whole thing was going on. He took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. He says, take and eat, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. It was confusing for them because they understood what this meant uh, in the ceremonial sense, but not in the sense that, okay, it's you now. This was before he was crucified, so he wasn't meaning that this actually is my flesh. He was saying this symbolically represents my flesh. Um, And as often as you eat this meal, as often as you have this piece of bread, do this in remembrance of me. He's pointing to what he's going to do for them tomorrow, the next day, when he'd be crucified. His broken body was for them. And as they believe on that, which is what the eating means. When you believe on that, it affects every area of your life. On that same night, he took the cup that they were drinking. He took it and said, this is the cup of my new covenant, the blood of my new covenant. As often as you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Now, he hadn't bled yet. And so this wasn't his blood. It symbolically represents his blood. His blood. And he wanted them to know that tomorrow when I have the thorns on my head, when I'm pierced, when my hands are pierced, my feet are pierced, my side is pierced, I want you to remember that the blood is pouring out of my back and all over me, that this is for you. And do this in remembrance of me. And as the guys would witness this the very next day, they would, this would have a whole lot more meaning for them because they'd be, oh my goodness, every time they'd eat this, they would think about his broken body, they would think about his shed blood and what that meant for them, that he died on the cross In place of them, he took their sins, put them on the cross, and he took the guilt upon himself. And God's wrath intended for them was poured out on their their Savior, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus. And so we remember that today. As long as we're reading about the covenants, um, the obedience that is required um, and needed for a beautiful holy life, um, obedience to the law is not a requirement for salvation. As much as we focused on that today, please understand that, that Christ fulfilled everything we read. And we're hidden in him, he says. And because he goes to heaven, we go to heaven. Because he rose from the dead, we rise from the dead. Because he was crucified, we consider ourselves crucified, died, but we were raised. So understand that as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do this in remembrance of our great salvation that we have in our God's son, Jesus. And we thank him for that this morning. Lord, we thank you for your broken body, for your shed blood. It should have been us, but it wasn't. You took our place. You took our sin. And you separated it from us. And we are righteous. We don't feel like it. We want to try harder. We want to work more to look like your kids. We want to look like our dad. Um, We want to act like you. We know that we don't. But we know that that's not salvation. Our salvation is in you. The forgiveness of sins is in you. Our entrance into heaven is because of you. Because of all of that, because of this little meal that we're having here today as a a little bunch of believers in in our corner of the pasture here, as we eat this, Lord, we're reminded, Lord, that our obedience to you comes from this love that you have for us that you demonstrated on the cross. We thank you for that. And so we remember you this morning. We remember what you did. We're very, very thankful for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Or if you're visiting, we, we break our glasses afterwards. It's not a weird cult thing. It's a thing to represent that we're broken vessels. And what comes out of us is what people see. They see through our cracks, through our sin, through our forgiveness, through Christ. They see what they can have also. So that's why we do this. Okay, ready? Go. All right, have a good week, guys.